Hello, and welcome to Making Christ Known, a podcast from Adairsville Baptist Church in Adairsville, Georgia. This podcast features senior pastor Eric Sorrell and his sermons designed to make Christ known in Adairsville and beyond. For more information about Adairsville Baptist Church, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. And now, here's Pastor Eric. Last week we looked at two men that died on trees. and We said both of these men died on trees, but one was the, the tree of Judas, and it was a tree of death, and the other was the tree of Jesus, was the cross, and that was a, a tree of life. And I made this statement about Judas. I said, it's tragic. It is possible to be around Jesus and yet be unchanged. It's possible to be around the things of God. In fact, it's possible to be near and around God Himself, the Son of God, and yet be unchanged, be unmoved, be unregenerate. And this morning I'd like us to go and back and to to look at two key passages that deal with an authentic relationship with God. What an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ looks like. And it's a message for the church and also for those that are joining us online in the podcast and those that are joining us by Facebook. Our prayer is for you this morning as you tune in and listen also. As you turn to John chapter 15, I want to give you the context of of what Jesus is going to speak about when He speaks about the vine and the branches. In John chapter 15, Jesus is going to compare believers to branches of the true vine. But this is the location. If you remember, the location is the upper room or just following the upper room. It's the night before Jesus Death. Previously, Jesus has held the Passover feast with his disciples, with the twelve. And in John chapter 13, verse 2, it says these words During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into His hands and that He had come from God and that He was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside His outer garments and taken a towel. He tied it around His waist. Jesus at this meal washed the disciples' feet. But there Jesus already knew that the heart of Judas was filled with that of the devil and Satan, that Judas had made plans, had plotted to betray Jesus. If I jump down to to John chapter 13, verses 10 and 11, he says this, as he's washing feet, remember Peter says, Lord, not just my feet, but, but all of me. Jesus said to him, The one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you, um, you all, are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew... Verse 11 says, who was to betray him? That is why he said, not all of you are clean, right? Jesus is in the upper room and they're celebrating Passover, right? 
this is my body and this is my blood. And before that, you know, he's washing the feet. Lord, wash all of me. Hey, you're clean, right? You don't need to be bathed, but not all of you are clean, right? Because I know that one of you in just a short amount of time is going to betray me. If I jump down to John 13 and verse 27, right? They're wondering who's going to betray, right? It's the one that I give this morsel to. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. And Jesus said to him, what you are going to do, do quickly. And you read on that Judas received that morsel and he went out at night and he would go and he would betray Jesus. So... This is the context of John 13, 14, 15, 16, if you will, as they go out from that room. Jesus knows that some associated with Him are genuine and some are not. Some are true followers of His. And some are just counterfeits, right? Judas, the one that would betray Him, the one that was not clean. And so this is the context of of John chapter 15 when we read it. So let's read it together starting in verse 1. John 15 verse 1. One of the seven I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. I am the true vine and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch of mine that does not bear fruit he takes away. And every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean. Didn't he say that? Because of the word I have spoken to you. Abide in me, remain in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me, I am the vine. You are the branches. Whoever abides in me, and I in him, He it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he's thrown away like a branch. And he withers, and the branches are gathered and thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. But this is, in this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. The vine and the branches. There are two kinds of branches. There are true branches and there are the Judas branches. True branches... And Judas branches. I love what Pastor John MacArthur writes in one of his books, The Gospel According to Jesus. Listen to John MacArthur. Spiritually, the equivalent of a fruitless branch is a phony Christian. Someone who professes faith in Christ but does not really know Him. These are the branches that only appear to be connected to the true vine. Their relationship to Him is entirely superficial. They do not have His life flowing through them, so they cannot bear spiritual fruit by any means. These are the branches Jesus threatens with removal. We might call them Judas branches. 
the vine and the branches, the Christian and the counterfeit. I want to share with you some points that I've made about the Christian and the counterfeit, right? The true branches and the Judas branches. Number one is this observation, that true Christians attach to Jesus inwardly, where counterfeits, or counterfeit Christian, attach to Jesus outwardly. A true Christian attaches to Jesus inwardly, A counterfeit attaches to Jesus outwardly. Jesus says, right, I am the true vine. I am that vine. I am that plant. And my father is the vine dresser, the gardener, right? And so he says, you have to remain in me. If you are attached to me inwardly, my life flows through you and and into you. But if you only attach to me outwardly, you don't have my life. You're not going to bear fruit. And every branch that's just attached outwardly will be cut off, he says. It will be thrown into the fire, right? Sadly today, especially in the Bible Belt, there are so many counterfeits that are attaching to the things of God outwardly, right? They they wear the cross. They paint the cross. They know the cross. They know amazing grace. They know the hymns. They may come into a church. They may wear a t-shirt. They may have a cross tattoo, right? And they are attaching to the things of God outwardly but inwardly do they really know Jesus as Savior and Lord I'm burdened by this it burdens me but sometimes it also bothers me because so many people think they're okay they think they're a part of the true vine because all they've done is in some outward act They've walked an aisle, checked a box. They, they claim to be okay because they know about Christianity and some of those things, but, but do they attach inwardly? D- does Christ really have their heart? Are they really clean? We might make this second point from the text that true Christians are pruned where counterfeits are punished. Look at verse 2. Right? You start to get the players right? Of in verse 1, I'm the vine, the Father is the vine dresser. And then there are these branches, right? And as MacArthur points out, there are true branches and there are Judas branches. Verse 2, every branch of mine that does not bear fruit, what does he do? He takes away, right? Because they are only attached outwardly. And... Every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes. Why? Why do you prune? So that it may bear more fruit. If we jump down to verse 6, we see these words. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away like a branch, it's a fruitless one, and it withers. And what do you do with those branches? He says, and the branches are gathered, they are thrown into the fire, and they are burned. He's telling us this, that true Christians are pruned and that the counterfeits will be punished. He says, if you're a Christian, of course, none of us are perfect, right? There's going to be time when God comes to me and says, Eric, I need to prune this from your life. And and you are genuine and you are a Christian, but but this isn't quite right. So let's prune that. Let's, Let's get rid of that. Let's work on that because my desire for you, like the gardener's desire, is that you would be more fruitful, that you would bear much fruit, right? 
But just like you, when you see those little suckers or those weeds or things that shouldn't be there, the things that are dead, they have no life, you, you don't prune those. You remove those. You you punish those by taking them away. And that's what he says in verse 6. He's not saying that somebody's going to lose their salvation. He's saying, I never knew you. You never knew me. You never had life. You attached to me outwardly, but not inwardly. And so I'm going to prune those that, that are within me. But those that aren't, you will be punished. And he used these, these words, they will be thrown into the fire. They will be burned. So, true Christians attached to Jesus inwardly. Counterfeit Christians, name only, oh yes, I'm saved, I'm a Christian, attached to Jesus outwardly. Secondly, true Christians will be pruned. But those counterfeits will ultimately be punished. Another observation, number three, is this one. It goes right with this one. True Christians will have fruit. But counterfeits will be fruitless. Fruitless. In verse 3, he tells them, because Judas is already gone, right? And they're wondering about all this. And he says in verse 3, already you are clean. You guys, you 11, you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. Now look at verse 4 and 5. Abide in me. You guys remain in me. Remain connected to me and my teaching. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch, you guys are going to go on and do ministry You cannot bear fruit by yourself. The branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. They are true branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. True Christians are always going to have fruit. Right, A true Christian, a true child of God, someone who's really saved, is going to have fruit in their life. It will manifest itself. It will show itself. We pray to God for a lot of fruit. Maybe it's just a little fruit. Well, that's okay. Fruit is fruit, right? Maybe a little, maybe a lot. We want a lot. God wants a lot. He'll prune you, right? But a true Christian is, is going to be fruitful. But a counterfeit is never going to have fruit. It's never going to have the fruit of God, right? I'm just sidetracking here, but one time in Bible college, we were, we were at a, a retreat. It was kind of like the freshman-sophomore retreat, so maybe we were still learning something. And, and this guy, were, I remember still, just like it was yesterday, I'm laying on the top bunk, and one of these other guys in the dark kind of said, Hey, man, I want to ask you this. He said, can a, can a non-believer bear the fruit of the Spirit? So we all talked about different things. I don't know, we gave our two cents. But today I know that they cannot bear the fruit of the Spirit because it is the fruit of the Spirit. Now, can they have love? Yes. Can they have joy? Yes. Can they have peace? Yes. So they can have those qualities and those attributes, but it's not a fruit of the Spirit. It's just a fruit of the flesh, right? But but there, there comes a moment, right, when we are a part of the vine that we bear the fruit of the Spirit, right? And the counterfeit is fruitless. And what I mean by that, they have no fruit of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that they're not going to do good deeds. They may trick us, right? We, we may think, oh, they have fruit. And God says, that's not the fruit of the Spirit. That's just the fruit of their flesh, right? They may, they may say good things with their lips, Right? But God goes, well, but that's not really the fruit of, from their heart, right? He says to this 11, I know you guys are clean. 
I know you're a part of me. You're going to remain in me. I'm going to remain in you. And you're going to bear fruit. And, and I'll prune you when need be. But someone that's, that's just around us, that's just a fan and not really a follower, they're, they're not going to bear that fruit. John Calvin, the reformer, said these words in an old ancient commentary. Can anyone who is engrafted into Christ be without fruit? I answer. Many are supposed to be in the vine, according to the opinion of men who actually have no root in the vine. Right? He's saying there are a lot of people that, according to their words and the words of others, oh yes, they're in the vine, and he says they're supposed to be in the vine, but really they're not in the vine. They have no root in the vine, right? So they're not going to have the, the fruit. We can make this observation from the text. That Christians, true Christians, give life, but counterfeits give lips. A true Christian is going to give their life, but the counterfeit is only going to give the, the lip. You, you can look in the text, right? I mean, time and time again, we see it, right? Jesus doesn't want just people that would say, Oh, yes, Lord, I want to follow you. Oh, do you really, right? Foxes have holes and birds have nests, and I don't have any place to lay my head, right? Or whoever would come after me must deny himself, right? Take up his cross and follow me. Or, or Lord, I want to follow you. Okay, we'll go and sell half your possessions. And, right, Jesus never just makes it easy, like easy belie- believism. Like, oh, yes, just come and give me your lips and say the right things, and that's what makes you right. Jesus calls for our life, right? Our surrender. That we don't just say, oh, yes, Jesus, you're my Savior, that we make Jesus our Lord. Now, how many people in our county have just said, oh yes, Jesus is my Savior, and they've given Jesus their lips. And you look and you go, well, where's the Lordship of Christ in your life? You, you haven't given Him life. You've given Him lips, right? It bothers me how many, right, in our, in our area, they may talk the talk, they may say the right things, they may claim it, but there's no life in them. They haven't given their life to Christ. Well, Christ's life doesn't flow in them. Maybe we could say it this way. True Christians possess, but counterfeits profess. Right? This has been on my heart, right, as I go and talk to the football team, right? And I told them, don't you think that you're okay with God because you wear the eye black cross? Don't you think you're okay with God because you kneel with the great Adairsville football team before the, the team and pray and say the Lord's Prayer? Those things don't make you right with God, Right? And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm trying to tell them, I'm trying to, to tell our community, right, it's not just you thinking, I'm, I'm okay because I've made a profession. Well, whoop-de-doo, did a profession ever save anybody? You've got to possess it, right? It's not, well, you're outward, you do something outward. It's inward, right? Where's the, where's the fruit? Goodness gracious. So I pray for our community that, that we would be truly in the vine, we would remain in Him. He says, this is what glorifies my Father. I mean, for, for all of you, right? I, it, there comes a time for my three kids, right? Where you would look and go, hey, do I really know Jesus as Savior and Lord? Not just have I done church with Dad, not just that, that I've been baptized or that I've claimed it or I've been around the things of God, but, but that you're making sure, no, I really am right before God, right? That, that all of us would say we know for sure, right, that we are authentic, genuine believers. 
So I used to play this game with uh, youth and with children, and believe it or not, probably way back in 2017, I I probably played it with you, the church. And so we're going to get that pulled up. It's a little game um, called Weed or Flower. All right, so we're going to see how well, do you remember that? How well you do, right? Even J.D., you see if you can play this, okay? I'm going to put pictures on the screen, right? And you're going to see if you can tell if it's a weed or if it is a flower. All right, weed or flower. Let's just close the easy worship because that's saved anyway. And we're going to get the PowerPoint pulled up, the weed or flower game. All right? And we'll go to another text. As we're waiting for that, go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Weed or flower? First picture, here we go. The game is this simple. Do you think that's a weed or do you think that's a flower? How many of you think that's a weed? Wave your hand, raise it. J.D., you think it's a weed? Yes, maybe. All right, how many of you think it's a flower? It's got to be one or the other. Flower, all right, and that is a? It is a weed, the London Rocket weed. Good job. All right, number two. Is that a weed or a flower? How many of you think it's a weed? How many of you think it's a flower? Brother, you are on it. J.D., that is a flower. Pretty good. The coral hibiscus. All right, now they're going to get tougher. Here we go. All right, weed or flower? How many of you think it's a weed? Raise your hand. How many of you think it's a flower? And the answer is, the boy has got all of you beat. It is the weed. The yellow sweet clover. Man, good job. All right, here we go. Here's another one. Weed or flower? How many of you think it's a weed? Got some? How many of you think it's a flower? The answer is... It's a weed. It is the cheese weed. All right, here's the next one. Weed or flower? How many of you think that's a flower? How many of you think that's a weed? It is a... Flower. Had to change it up. The bamboo orchid. All right, here's another one. Weed or flower? How many think it's a weed? How many ever think it's a flower? And the answer is that is a a weed, duckweed. I don't know what the scientific way you classify a weed or flower. They are flowering weeds. I don't know. But here's another one. Yeah, it does, doesn't it? Weed or flower? All right, weed. Would you pluck it? Flower? Would you plant it? That is a flower. I believe the Acapulco sunset, very nice, maybe a couple more. Here we go, weed or flower, weed, flower, it is a weed, so hard to tell, it's bindweed, all right, weed or flower, weed, that's hard, you can't really see that, weed, flower, all right, answer is weed, the smart weed, are you a smart weed, Ida, all right, weed or flower, here we go, how many of you think it's weed? How many of you think it's flower? It is a weed milk thistle. You probably see that one, don't you? Last but not least, is that a flower? Raise your hand. Is that a weed? You know that's a flower, a beautiful one, the desert rose, the desert rose. What's the point of that game? One is this. It's hard to tell, isn't it? 
We can't always look and say, oh yes, I know that's a weed or I know that's a flower. And it's, it's the same, right? In our, It's hard to tell who's the Christian and who's the counterfeit. Sometimes you go, you know what? I really can't tell, but God can tell. He, he knows, right? It's not our job to go around and say, you're the Christian, you're the counterfeit, right? I can't label anybody. And Jesus in Matthew chapter 13 tells a parable that basically says that, look, you're not the one to distinguish. Don't go yanking up weeds and flowers and, and saying who's genuine and who's not, but you'll know them by their fruit. So Matthew chapter 13 is a great um, chapter. It, it deals with a number of parables and they're all about the kingdom of heaven. Here's the context. At this time, overall, the nation of Israel had rejected Jesus Christ, rejected His kingdom, and so Jesus begins to tell in parable form what the time would be like between His first coming and His second coming. Times in the church age. And so He gives this parable of the weeds and the wheat, or the weeds and the tares. I'll begin to read it to you, verse 24 through 30. He put another parable before them, saying, The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, this time that we're in right now, even spiritually speaking, may be compared to a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while his men were sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds, tares, darnel among the wheat and went away. It was so common that Rome had a law against it. Crazy. Verse 26, So when the plants came up and bore grain, the weeds also appeared. And the servants of the master of the house came and said to him, Master, didn't we sow good seed in your field? How does it have weeds? He said to them, An enemy has done this. So the servant said to him, Then do you want us to go and gather them? But he said, No, lest in gathering the weeds you root up the wheat along with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And at the harvest time I will tell the reapers, Gather the weeds first, bind them in bundles to be burned. Keyword, But gather the wheat into my barn. Jesus says some words and the disciples ask him about this as they did certain ones. Explain us this to us. Teach us. They don't have the Holy Spirit yet giving them divine insight. So look down at verse 36 through 43. This is where he explains it. He left the crowds. He left all those that were attaching outwardly and all the fans, right? And he gets with the genuine. He left the crowds and he went into the house and the disciples came to him. They're the only ones that, that want to go deeper. Explain to us the parable of the weeds in the field. He answered, The one who sows the good seed is the Son of Man, Jesus. The field is the world. The good seed is the children of the kingdom. The weeds are the sons of the evil one. And the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the close of the age. And the reapers are the angels. We're not the reapers. Just as the weeds are gathered and burned with fire, so it will be at the close of the age. The Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all causes of sin and lawbreakers and throw them into the fiery furnace. And in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of their Father he who has ears, let him hear. Get the spiritual meaning of this text. The tares or darnel, we're told, was so similar to wheat 
that it couldn't be easily distinguished at first. They, I, when they were first coming up, they would look almost identical. And, and that darnel, that, those tears would wrap around the other. So not only was it not in, easily distinguished, it was also not easily separated. Right? You, you really couldn't do it. I'm told that it really wasn't until the final fruit, the final head of grain that came that, that the farmer could go, now I know that's wheat and that's a weed. That's wheat and that's a darnel. So what he was saying is this, hey look, in the time between my first coming and my second coming, the end of this age, I want, I want you to know that there's going to be a false growing. There's going to be a false growing. When you think about it, the Pharisees were weeds. They were darnel. They looked good until you see that they really didn't produce the fruit that you were looking at, the fruit that led to repentance. Right? So was Judas. He's a tear. He's, he's darnel. He, at first, it's, it's really hard to distinguish, but then at the end, you go, yeah, he, he, didn't, he didn't have the, the fruit. Even Judas doesn't stand out until the very end. Nobody in the group spots him. So you may not be able to tell at first who's the true Christian and who's the counterfeit. What's the weed and what's the flower? So we could say, back to one of the points that we already made, in this parable, Jesus is also making this point. True Christians will have fruit and counterfeits will be fruitless. True Christians will have fruit and the counterfeits will be fruitless. Old J. Vernon McGee, who was a great preacher to listen to, said this. Somebody asked him, Brother McGee, you think the world's getting better? He said, oh yes, I think the world's getting better. There's a lot of good going on. Somebody else can, Brother McGee, you think the world's getting worse? He said, oh yes, I think the world's getting worse. You see a lot of bad coming on. Somebody overhears it and says, Brother McGee, which is it? Is the world getting better or the world getting worse? And he said, well... The wheat's growing and the tares are growing. <laughs> it's getting better and it's getting worse, right? The Christians, some of those Christians are getting better and the wheat's growing and, and the world's getting worse. The tares are growing too, right? The weeds are, are growing too and sometimes I feel that way and, and you feel that way too. The, the question is, right, it's been preached for, for ages and, and years and centuries to the, to the people in the audience and the people in the pew. Are you sure that you'll, you're a, a wheat? Do, do, do you have an authentic relationship with Jesus as Savior and Lord? Or, or are you just the, the weed? Do you, do you look the part? I had a friend who was saved as he listened to a man preach this. He, he said, I thought I was okay. And as God's Word came, it convicted me that I was just attaching outwardly around the things of God, but I, I wasn't a genuine believer. And so he, he walked forward and he made it right that night. He said, I want Jesus as my Lord. So the observation here that, that we see is two key words, burn and barn. Burn and barn. The wheat is barn, the weeds are burn. And Jesus says that, right? What will I do? I barn and I burn. True Christians are barned and the counterfeits are burned, right? And he says, and, and you're not to do it. You want us to go and pull it up? No, it's not your job. It's going, to be, it's going to be my job. It's a divine job and it happens at the end of the age. But when he does it, verse 41, he says, The Son of Man will send his angels. They'll gather out of the kingdom 
all causes of sin and lawbreakers, and throw them into the fiery furnace. And then he uses this common phrase that he uses in the Gospels, in that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They'll be burned, just like the Judas branch. It's, it's what happens. But those that are true, genuine, will be barned. The righteous will shine like the sun in the kingdom of the Father. I've told this story about mislabeled fish for sale. I like seafood, but apparently, especially in Southern California, you need to be careful when you eat seafood because the stat is something like 80% of it is mislabeled. Snapper is a big one. When they tested it, Snapper, like 80% of the time, was something else, right? It was crazy. You, you go and you think you're ordering this type of fish, and it's not. It's a counterfeit there was this story told in, in Kansas City where they claimed it uh, tuna. Or this is tuna. And it was actually some fish called escalar that, that resulted in oily diarrhea. How you like that? You, like, you think you're getting tuna and instead you get, uh-oh. <laughs> Surprise. Right? It's claiming one thing, but it's really another. And this has been on my heart in the Bible Belt and in this area. So many claiming one thing, and, and they're actually something else. And it's almost like you've got to get them lost before you get them saved. Because they think they're, they think they're saved. And you want to go, yeah, but now I've got to work at getting you lost. Because you don't think you're lost. You, you don't understand. You're really darnal. And you're just attached outwardly. Right? Uh, wow. wow. It's, it's, the truth is this. Everybody in the church is not actually in the church. You get what I'm saying? Everybody in the little C church is not actually in the big C church. That's scary. Like how many on our rolls and how many in churches in, in Adairsville and in Bartow County, they're in church, but they're not in church. Right? So we have to preach the, the gospel. I mean, I've shared this. This is, this is kind of my worry. I mean, you know how some of the inoculations work in the, in the health field, right? They give your body just enough of the virus to make your body think that you've had the virus, right? And so you have the antibodies. And I think so many are inoculated with the gospel. They have just enough of the gospel, good old Bible Belt religion, to think, oh, I'm okay. And they've tricked themselves, they've tricked their soul into thinking that they're, they're inoculated with the gospel. And you think, you don't, you never really had it. You, you've never really been born again. You're not a wheat. You're not in the vine. You're just around it. Oh, goodness. Goodness, not everyone, Jesus says, who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven. We made it far too easy in, in churches to say, do you believe? Okay, you believe. And in James chapter 2, verse 19, James says, you believe? Good. Even the demons do. And shudder. Not only do they have this intellectual response, they have an emotional response, right? And he says, oh, don't you just don't think just because you have some intellectual response to the things of God and the gospel and some emotional response that you've shuddered and cried at an altar that you're okay and you go out and you, you're living just, right, no fruit. You, you, you're looking, right, there's so many that, that aren't in church, right? They're, they're not involved, they're not living the life, but they're claiming it. So this is a burden. And out of this burden, I preach this message today. If you're watching, if you're listening, are you true? Are you genuine? Are you saved? Test yourself, the Scripture says, and see if you really are in the faith.
And that's my challenge to you today. Know for certain that you are a genuine, born-again believer. Make it certain today. How do you do that? Admit to God that you're a sinner. Believe that Jesus is the Lord Christ. Change your life. Confess Him as Savior and as Lord. Make Him Lord. Understand that paying the price for sin, Jesus died and rose again for you. Right, And, and call on the name of the Lord to be, to be saved. Dedicate yourself to Him and all that that looks like and follow Him. Right? It's not about being a fan. It's about being a follower. And so we invite you to Christ today. Let's invite those that, that, that maybe they say the right things. Let's, let's dig a little deeper. Let's, let's continue to give the gospel to all people right? and say... Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Making Christ Known. We invite you to join us again next time for another sermon from Adairsville Baptist Church. For more information, visit us on Facebook or online at adairsvillebaptistchurch.org. Thanks for listening, and we look forward to connecting with you again soon.